1: with Mary Kay Cabot and Ashley Bastock. We are talking about the Browns' preseason opening when they are 1-0 in the preseason. How about that? By the way, now that I'm thinking about it, I was pretty close on my score. Wasn't I? Didn't I say like 20 to 13 or something? I think you
0: did. And it was. I, I blocked out your score two seconds after you said it. I did <laughs> not remember it. It did not stick in my brain. So. Well,
1: I was close. I was close on the score.
0: <laughs> and I stand by that. Uh, by that fact. Okay, we're going to real quickly
1: talk about this game. It is uh, it is late here, so we're going to um, get into what we saw out there, and we have to start with Deshaun Watson. This was our first opportunity to see Deshaun Watson on the field. We'll talk about the off-field element of it shortly, uh, but Mary Kay, it was not real crisp. One prediction I definitely got wrong was that he would complete 80% of his passes, so <laughs> not even close on that one. Um, oh. It was a little rough when he was out there.
2: Oh, my goodness, Dan, you were off by. <laughs> oh, shoot. Um, yeah, it, it was rough. It was really, really rough. I was surprised he looks good in practice. I guess game speed might have rattled him. I actually made excuses for him in the first story that I wrote uh, because I felt like uh, he didn't have as much of a supporting cast as he normally will when he's going to get out there. He didn't have Nick Chubb. He didn't have Kareem Hunt. He didn't have Amari Cooper. He didn't have David Bell. He didn't have all these people. But Kevin Stefanski refused to use any of that as an excuse in the post-game press conference, really, which is as it should be. But I thought uh, penalties, dropped passes, a fumbled ball. Uh, I thought all of those things contributed to these three horrific series, one for five, seven yards, a 39 point something rating. It was a disaster.
1: Ashley, what did you think of Deshaun in that first team offense?
0: Uh, I think on Twitter, I said, this is a nightmare start. And that had a lot to do with Nick Harris also going down with a knee injury that looked pretty significant um, on the second snap of the game. But yeah, I mean, I'm with Mary Kay. I did not expect Deshaun Watson to look you know, have that many jitters. I mean, I guess it makes sense when you talk about he is still only human at the end of the day. So it's not really surprising that there were maybe some nerves when he hasn't played a real game in 19 months. Um, That's a long time, but it just did not look nearly, I think, as fluid as I thought it would be. Um, and and it was interesting, you know. I did think, you, like Mary Kay said, kind of wanting to give him the benefit of the doubt. They're without five Pro Bowlers and most of the, you know a huge chunk of their starters on offense. Um, but at the end of the day, Kevin Stefanski said, you know, they didn't want to put too much blame on that. But you know, kind of like last year with Baker Mayfield's shoulder, like we did talk about that a lot in the context of his struggles. I think it's kind of fair to bring that up in talking about Deshaun Watson's struggles tonight.
1: I, I do think, though, I, I mean, he had guys who are supposed to be out there contributing.
0: And yeah. I mean, we, we've seen Anthony Schwartz drops were huge. Two, yeah. Two, two huge drops. Of, yeah. Um,
1: Schwartz, uh, you know, he, he's got to pick it up. He, he's got to yeah. get it going. But I think it was pretty clear today this receiving core outside of Amari Cooper really is lacking playmakers. And Donovan Peoples-Jones can probably be one of those guys. But You know, you didn't have David Bell, you had Demetrius Felton in the slot, that's a clear difference. But also, I mean, Mary Kay, at some point, Deshaun Watson, we've talked about his ability to elevate his supportive cast. You know, we didn't see that today, and I think that was disappointing.
2: Well, you didn't see it, but it was hard to get into the flow of the game with what happened in those three series. I mean, look, it was three and out, of course. Uh, once again, with the drop by Anthony Schwartz on on the first drive, that didn't help matter. So right there, uh, you're going three and out on your opening drive. On your second drive, you go two and out because Dearness Johnson fumbles the ball away. Uh, And then on the third drive, there were uh, two holding penalties, including one on the first play. Uh, Another one was nullified, but a false start. So I just. I do think that it was hard to get into the flow of the game and then you're out of there after three series. And so, you know, chances are, he might've settled down, calmed down and picked it up. How many times have we seen quarterbacks do that where you get off to a little bit of a slow start and then you get into your rhythm. I mean, he didn't, he hadn't played in 19 months. So, you know, some of these, uh, you know, jitters, you got to work them out probably in the first couple of series and then maybe you get into your, Uh, comfort zone after that a little bit, but he never really had an opportunity to do that. I maintain uh, that this is nothing to get concerned about, nothing to get worried about. And I think that we also, because the supporting cast, in my opinion, just really wasn't there. But I think we must note that Kevin Stefanski also said, and I led my after game story, my post game story with this, that Kevin Stefanski didn't think that Deshaun Watson's off the field struggles and distractions caused
1: this bad game? Ashley, I I think that's a key point. This idea of like, it it was only three series and very rarely do you watch a football game and the quarterback is just amazing for 60 minutes, you know, and the games we remember most are the ones that kind of regardless of what happens, they're great in like the second half or the fourth quarter. So, you know, yeah, I think if he would have gotten into a rhythm, we would have seen a different Deshaun Watson this really was just more about kicking the rust off and and making sure, you know, letting him get hit, letting him run around, letting him kind of put himself in danger a little bit. Um, And, and, you know, I guess we did an FAQ. Will Deshaun Watson be rusty? I think the answer tonight was yes.
0: Yeah. And that's, again, like he's going to be human. Um, I do just think like overall, when I was watching this game, especially in the first half, like before, you know, the Browns even really scored, It was hard for me to even think about what I was going to write because I'm like, at the end of the day, like, how much of this really matters? Like, how much does it really tell us? Like, I don't I don't know that we glean any big picture ideas. I mean, I did write a story about how I think Josh Dobbs, when, when he went out there, he kind of showed why he has a place in this quarterback's room. Like we saw the athleticism. We saw his smarts, which, again, they talk about that all the time with him. Um, So I think you can glean things like that, right? About these guys who you maybe have questions about or are younger or on the bubble. um, And it's good experience, but beyond that, it's like hard to look at this and really glean for me, any true value or insight about what Deshaun Watson is going to do in this offense and on this team in the long run. Okay. So let's talk about Deshaun before the game.
1: uh, He did an interview with the Browns uh, TV broadcast and uh, Mary Kay, that was the most remorseful I think he sounded. I don't think it's a coincidence that that was the most remorseful he sounded after what we saw uh, read from Sue L. Robinson and that, you know, the Haslams took a lot of heat for the statement that they put out after that. Um, A lot of people have said they don't feel he's shown much remorse. He essentially apologized, I think, as much as he's ever going to apologize. I think he admitted that um, he has work to do and he wants to continue doing that work. What did you think of, of what Deshaun had to say before the game?
2: Well, first of all, they needed to, uh, first of all, they controlled the message completely. Finally. <laughs> yeah, they only let him talk before the game, and they, and, and they made sure that he answered the questions that I'm sure were crafted and, and shaped in such a way that he elicited the answers that they wanted him to give. Uh, they did not put him out there after the game. I don't like that. I mean, I came all this way to Jacksonville, and so did you, Dan, yeah. and so did other people, and we... Uh, You know, we wanted to talk to him in person and ask him those very questions that we had to ask Kevin Stefanski afterwards. So I was disappointed that he didn't talk. These guys have an obligation to talk in their contracts and they should do that. So from that standpoint, I don't like the approach, um, but, uh, you know, I think it was good that they, they fixed the disconnect between the remorse and the not remorse and all of that. And it was time. He needed to apologize, and he needed to apologize uh, to, you know, to his accusers. I mean, he needed he needed to apologize for whatever he did uh, to impact them in a negative way. So it was time. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I just think that you know Sue L. Robinson brought that up in her 16-page report that that was one of the things uh, that she was very dismayed about. And I think that, you know, this could help, you know, turn the tide a little bit It just in terms of public opinion and other things.
1: Yeah, Ashley, what did you, what did you think? I mean, I, I kind of feel like people are going to have their opinions. There's nothing he's going to be able to say one way or another. But, right. like I, you know, the Deshaun I heard in that interview was different, I think, even than the Deshaun we heard in that big press conference he held during camp.
0: It was. And it's like an interesting, I guess, the the message has changed on this. Like it's been a complete 180 change, in my opinion, because that introductory press conference again in March, there was no remorse. Like he was still insisting, maintaining his innocence, that he did nothing wrong, that he did not, you know, have anything to apologize for. Then we got him during minicamp. It was, you know, I'm sorry for the people that this is impacting, like my teammates, and I'm sorry for maybe other victims who are triggered out there. This was the first time that we've really heard him say sorry to these women and come close to that. And again, like you said, Dan, like I thought, I thought it was pretty well timed, right? Like they're waiting for this appeal decision. And, um, you know, that's kind of a cynical way to look at it, I guess, but it makes sense why this is coming now. Um, So it wasn't surprising in that regard that we got more, I think of a definitive apology in that how we've evolved to this point, because again, like Mary Kay said, when the initial decision from Sue L Robinson came down, the lack of remorse thing was very big for her, I think. And again, we know she said she proved like that. She thought the NFL met the burden of proof on all three things they were trying to prove. And the only reason she didn't give him more games was because there really wasn't a precedent for that. So as this matter is still ongoing, I'm not really surprised that we saw him kind of change his his messaging in that and that it was a very, you know, curated setting to get that messaging across.
2: The other thing real quick that I think we should note that he said was he reiterated that he's getting counseling. And that yes. is one of the things that the NFL on appeal is trying to make sure uh, is that he gets treatment and he gets help. And now uh, he is acknowledging that, that he's still doing that. He told us in May that he was getting counseling initially in March, he said, I don't need that, I haven't done anything wrong. So I think if they could all go back to that first introductory press conference, they would have done that completely differently because the, uh, the, the lack of remorse, the, the lack of I need counseling, the lack of uh, just anything uh, having to do with uh, the, the women at all, and, and sort of the almost defiant nature of that press conference did not serve him well In the disciplinary process
0: and it was interesting too that it wasn't just that he's still getting counseling he basically said he will continue to get counseling in the future so that was definitely again a total 180 change from march when we talked to him when he first came here and and i thought the way he talked about the counseling
1: was different too in that Mm -hmm. i felt like when he talked about it in may he left it open to interpretation as to what you're getting counseling to help you kind of get through this or are you getting counseling because like you need counseling for whatever led to like he said these decisions that he made that mm-hmm. he would wish to see go back it felt a little more specific to you know i'm putting words in his mouth and i it felt it felt more like i have a problem and i'm getting counseling for that problem maybe i misread that a little bit Um, And that's not exactly that just to be clear, but
0: um. yeah, I mean, I have it in front of me, Dan, and you're, you're really getting the gist of it right here. I mean, he said that he wants, I want to continue counseling and I want to make sure that I'm growing as a person, as an individual for my decision-making on and off the field. I think it's fair to glean that sentiment from it.
2: Yeah. And um, you know, I, I do think that, that that is just such a, a key part to this whole thing that um, if, he, if he were started out this way, he might not be in the bind that he's in right now. If he had done some things a lot differently. So this is a paradigm shift, you know, today was a paradigm shift and then the Browns were very, you know, and, and there are, there, I told you guys, there's a team of people that, yeah. that kind of stuff. It's not just the Browns, it's Watson's people, it's the Browns and they, they have a strategy. And the strategy today was, change the messaging on the remorse thing and change and make it clear that you know you need some kind of help and because sue robinson and her 16-page report established that he met the burden of proof for their the nfl's definition of sexual assault and for you know putting another person in harm's way and for not protecting the shield uh, you know, I think now he almost has no choice but to, you know, kind of acknowledge some of these things.
1: Okay, let's take a break. And then a uh, real quick podcast here for you. We're going to get into a couple of people who stood up during the game. We are back on the Orange Browns Talk podcast, recapping Browns preseason game one. Mary Kay, give me a player who stood out to you today.
2: Well, you know what? I'm sorry, Ashley. I'm going to steal Martin Emerson. <laughs>
0: oh no! You're finally getting me I back. Could, I could just see Ashley <laughs> just seething. She knew so upset. Go Ashley on, Mary wrote Kay.
2: Bottom, so you the <laughs> story. But any, anyway,s I mean, I just thought that was a great interception. It just showed yeah. aggressiveness. It showed hustle. It showed speed. I thought it bode well for the future. These guys need to be taking the ball away uh, and and boy did he take the ball away I mean he he was not going to be denied on that play and I just thought that was really cool the way he just kind of snatched it out like he was taking candy from a baby so um so good for good for Martin it was a nice debut yeah. for him you could tell he was excited in the
1: post game probably excited too Ashley because he won a bet he apparently. did Denzel he Ward wouldn't. who can afford to give away some money Denzel Ward is going to be giving away some money to Martin Emerson
0: he can, and Martin, I know jokingly, would not divulge many more details about what exactly that bet was. I know these guys never really like to do that, but I did write about that play in, in large part because I kind of think it's like serves as a. been using the word microcosm a lot with these guys lately, but I do think it serves a lot as a microcosm for like what the Browns maybe saw in Martin Emerson and the fact like what he can do when the ball is actually thrown his way because it's just been a consistent thing. Like obviously the famous stat is he only had one interception in college, but he wasn't targeted a lot when he was in coverage, only 13% of his coverage snaps last year. He really saw any action on, and I tried to get at this with him a little bit last week about like him being excited, knowing that in the NFL rookies are typically tested by having the ball thrown their way more. Um, And I know he mentioned after the game, he's, he's excited to kind of keep seeing that and he, he really delivered and showed off the physical traits with obviously the arm length and the not being afraid to get aggressive. I mean, I mean, he said he never really had a stolen ball interception in a game before, but what a, what a way to get your first one. Um, Yeah. Ashley, who stood out to you? Well, I could say Jerome Ford and make this podcast total chaos, but I will leave him for Dan. Cause I'm assuming that's who he's going to say. I already mentioned Josh Dobbs. So I'm going to leave him out of it. I want to talk about Isaiah Thomas, two sacks. Uh, He really produced, I think, for this defense, all three of his tackles tonight were for a loss. Um, And I think this has been one of those guys who, you know, we've maybe had some questions about and maybe hasn't gotten a ton of opportunity to shine. And I think in games like this, when you talk about like any kind of value the preseason has, like he showed them what he can do on the edge there.
1: Yeah, I was thinking of Jerome Ford. There's somebody else I want to talk about, though, and we'll get to that. Um, but Mary Kay, Jerome, to me, it's like in when, when these preseason games, you know, look, I remember Richard Lecount was intercepting. Everything that came his way last year, right? And then he never played in a regular season. So you, you try to be careful. But when people look the part, like Emerson, like Ford, that's really good. That's a good sign that these guys can make it in the sleep.
2: Sounds like a bunch of cars. <laughs> car dealership ford is emerson's um so yeah uh, the rookie class showed up tonight didn't they uh ashley you mentioned isaiah thomas i think isaiah thomas has he, he's making a really strong case to make yeah. the final 53 and for a late round pick uh you know they may have found another gem in the late round in isaiah thomas Perion winfrey's teammate from oklahoma who was, you know, sort of the other guy from Oklahoma. But, you know, he's he's making some noise out there. He's had a really nice camp and uh and he came through tonight. So again, the rookies, Emerson, Ford, uh Isaiah Thomas, they they really did a nice job. Uh you know, we didn't see some of the other guys. You know, David Bell didn't play tonight. They just didn't feel like he was ready. Um but yeah, I I think, you know, there are some good things that they have on film after this game.
1: Okay, the other person i want to talk about this is not like a standout this is not this is not a good thing actually um i'll just ask this question mary Kay. do the browns need to call jc Treder? yes because nick harris suffered a not good injury he was carted off the field couldn't put any weight on his right leg he's getting an mri on saturday maybe by the time some folks listen to this will know the results of that but it seems like you know i i would speculate that his season might be over he's going to be out for a very long time do they need to call jc
2: yes Absolutely. Of of course, they will uh, wait until the final results uh, of the MRI come in tomorrow. But quite often, you really know the truth the night of the game. So by now, they have a pretty good idea of just how serious this is for Nick Harris. And it looked pretty bad from the press box. We could see some things. We're not sure what they showed on TV, but I mean, you could see him grimacing. You could see uh, how he just could not put any weight on it as he hobbled over to the cart. He was in distress on the cart and uh, it just didn't look good. It just did not look good. And, you know, you start to kind of get a feel for that. Now, sometimes there's good news when it looks bad, uh, but I don't know. This just didn't have that feel to it. And that's a big, huge blow to the Cleveland Browns. He's the reason why they let J.C. Treader walk in free agency. Now, J.C. is still out there. Would they think about bringing him back? I don't know. They have Ethan Posage, who is their backup center. He stepped in, but if you want to make sure that you know that you really can get that position played the way that you want it, and you don't know how important it is until it doesn't go well, uh, I think they should at least give JC a call and talk about bringing him back.
1: Ashley, it's not very often you get a situation where there's a guy out there who knows the system. Knows the guys he's playing next to, basically just can seamlessly transition into that center position because he was the center last year and he knows everything about this team.
0: Yeah, I was kind of hoping that maybe there was a phone call made like in the second quarter tonight. <laughs> like, and again, because kind of like Mary Kay was getting at, I think in the NFL, you don't appreciate how important it is to have a good center until you don't have one anymore, and until you know that position is just so important, and it's not one you notice unless something is going wrong there. And again, I mean, we talk about small sample sizes, and this was a small sample size, so to be fair, but like we're watching when Ethan Postage came in in practice when Nick Harris left the one day, he had two bad snaps, and they took him out of the game and replaced him with Michael Dunn. You know, it's just not the same thing. Nick Harris has put in a lot of time in this system, and again. JC Treader doesn't practice a lot, like we know that. So Nick Harris had all those reps with those guys. He had really put in the work. And postage is still, you know, a new newcomer for all intents and purposes. He got here in the spring. Um, so I, I think having JC Treader back here would be invaluable for this offense right now.
1: Okay. There we go. Uh Browns preseason game number one in the books. They are one and oh in the preseason, 24 to 13 winners over Jacksonville. Uh, We will be back with you, I believe, on Sunday. The Browns will take the practice field again that day. Uh, As always, like I tell you, just make sure you're subscribed to this podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and also become a Football Insider subscriber. We texted a whole bunch today, uh, before the game, during the game. Uh, If you aren't a Football Insider subscriber, you missed out. So, Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. For Mary Kay and Ashley and Dan, thanks for listening, everybody.